Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Last segment of the week. And then you know what? Next week we're going to be intensely covering uh, Super Tuesday. We're going to spend a lot of time on that uh, during Monday's program. And on Tuesday, of course, we'll be uh, broadcasting live on remote from uh, the Salt Lake County Center where uh, the the county clerk finds her office, where folks will be casting ballots. Uh, We're going to keep you fully up to speed on the goings-on here as Utah for the first time participates in Super Tuesday, the largest uh, single day uh, of, uh, of voting of that sort here in the country. It's incredibly important to all the candidates, especially uh, the Democrats, as they seek their party's nomination for president. Now, because it's the last segment of the week, We've uh, been doing some. We picked up a little bit of a hobby here, uh, uh, here on this program, and it is throughout the course of the week, as I've told you many times before, uh, producer Amy and I and the rest of the team here on the show, we go through countless uh, pitches from uh, the media types, the PR types would love to for us to spend some time on their topic. We comb through uh, news stories, we uh, make the rounds talking to our sources, and we share with one another these stories. And we make pitches to one another and say, hey, I think I think we ought to cover this topic on the program today. I think we ought to cover that product, uh, that topic on the program today. Well, not everything makes the cut. Some of it is left on the cutting room floor. And because, you know, we let our hair down this time of week, uh, <laughs> producer Amy walks over to the cutting room floor. She collects a few things uh, and comes and shares them Pick with us the now. We're yet to come up with a name for this uh, segment. We'll get there someday. Uh, but let's see. Amy, what do you have for us today? All right. The first story is uh, Utah is working, well, a a lawmaker is working on a bill that would seek to uh, stop enticing companies with millions of tax dollars. We've seen this several times in our state where we have a big company, maybe a, a city is pitching to that company, hey, come here, we've got uh, great workers, a great uh, community, we'd love to have you, and they offer them a little incentive in some taxes. Yeah, you and me, we have to pay property taxes, we have to pay the other taxes associated with our living, other businesses here in town, they've got to be paying taxes associated with their uh, doing business, but when the heavy hitters knock on our door, say like a Facebook or an Amazon, uh, then... Then the lawmakers who are very anxious to collect tax revenue or at least uh, the, the the peripheral revenues that come from the uh, company being located within our borders, uh, they, as you say, come up with different packages to incentivize the relocation of a various comp- of the companies uh, here to the state of Utah. And that seems unfair to some. Well, the interesting thing about this bill is it would first require all other states to join in this effort. It puts us at the bottom of the list, right? You all promise to do this, and then we'll do it. Yeah. 
And essentially, the, the, the objective seems to me to be to like level the playing field so that, uh, that this type of incentivization is not undertaken by states or municipalities. We're not going to uh, compromise you know, the tax revenue. Uh, we got to sure uh, keep making sure that all companies are on a uh, level playing field. It's an interesting approach. It is one of those message bills, though. This, this happens uh, every year. You, you, you just wait. As we get a, a few legislative sessions under our belt— about this time of the, the year, uh, it is the silly season, in my uh, humble opinion, when many of these message bills start rearing their head. Uh, there is nearly zero chance that all the rest of the states in the nation uh, pass a measure like this. Uh, incentivizing companies to operate within our borders is a practice that's been happening for a long time, and it will continue to happen. Appreciate the message, Representative. Uh, but uh, anyway, your bill is nothing but that, a message. Uh, anyway, sorry about that little soapbox moment. What else you got for me? All right, another story. A gift to Mike Pence from Foreign Leaders. Uh, Mike Pence received an interesting gift, uh, received several, but uh, one in particular estimated at about $5,730. Yeah, it's going to get destroyed because uh, you can't receive gifts, apparently. The, the Crown Prince of Bahrain gifted to Vice President Mike Pence a clock, a very ornate clock, a very expensive clock, at least to, to you and me. Maybe the Crown Prince of Bahrain has a few extra uh, whatever they spend over there. Is it whatever? A crown? I don't know. Uh, whatever they spend in Bahrain, he spent a lot of it on this clock for Vice President Pence. Now, let me tell you, I was a congressional staffer for a while, and the gift rules are absolutely fascinating. For the most part, you can't accept gifts. Uh, and a gift like this given to the vice president would likely end up in, say, the National Archives. Uh, it becomes a gift to the country, not to the individual, and that's okay. Uh, but but not every foreign nation is our friend, you might realize. Uh, not every foreign nation gives us these gifts out of the goodness of their heart. And the Secret Service is aware of this, and they take special measures to ensure that, say, a listening device wasn't planted in a, a clock like this. And because you can't be sure, because you can't be 100% sure the technology is so advanced to be undetectable to uh, regular Secret Service uh, surveillance, that's why this clock was destroyed. And if I'm honest, it happens pretty regularly. Uh, watches and uh, picture frames, that's a big one, frame documents. Uh, many of those are destroyed by the Secret Service as a precautionary measure. We can't have a, a clock like this, uh, say, being on display in the office of the vice president over in the Eisenhower building or in his home or certainly not in the White House uh, because we've got you know secrets to keep. Yeah, that sounds a little nefarious, but there are discussions of a very sensitive nature uh, that could ha- could potentially take place in the presence of a clock like this and therefore Secret Service takes as a precautionary measure, uh, they destroy it. Anyway. Oh, here's the, my question. My biggest question with this is I'd take it. They wouldn't get any secrets out of my home. <laughs> yeah. Nothing that Alexa isn't already getting. Yeah. And I'd have a great clock, right? Can't we Can't we just give these to the American people, the, the lowest bidder perhaps, some pathetic fool like me who will take it and – I don't care. You're you're no pathetic fool. Uh, but maybe you're on to something that there ought to be a list uh, and maybe a raffle at the a end raffle. of the year. A raffle. That's great. At the, at the end of the, fair. each year, the, the Mike Prince raffle. Uh, anyway, that's pretty good. What else you got? All right. I'll tell you what. Can I go back a second? Yes. Uh, someday I'll tell you uh, all about the procedures uh, that 
congressional staffers like I used to be have to pass through for uh, learning how to deal with gifts like this. Because I can tell you uh, that lobbyists, uh, foreign nations, other individuals, uh, they often attempt to give gifts in order to curry favor with congressional staffers. Uh, Staffers have a lot of sway. They are the advisors to members of Congress, and they are often uh, attempted, at least, uh, to be enticed uh, by bad actors. Uh, I'll tell you about all that later. No time now. What else you got? Stay for me? tuned. All right, I'm skipping one and and going because I want to make sure we reach this one. If we if, just, it's funny to me. So, uh, guilty as charged. Schumer is admitting to spending uh, quite a lot of money on cheesecake. The amount of money over eight thousand. This is crazy. Are these taxpayer dollars? I think these are a report on Sunday. He said he acknowledged that he has this guilty pleasure and he frequently rewards supporters with gifts at a famed New York restaurant. I I bet you I bet you there's no way. I mean, Schumer, you know, regardless of politics, he's a he's a savvy guy. There's no way he spent eighty six hundred dollars. Uh, 8,600 taxpayer dollars on cheesecake. My it guess is that like... he's got one of those political action committees. Exactly. Uh, and is uh, and you can spend that money however you like. I mean, there are some rules, but I don't think there's any rule against $8,600 on cheesecake. But how do you do that? And where are – Is it was it a volume question or is he buying like top shelf cheesecake? I don't know, but I don't care. I think cheesecake is one of those that you can say, okay, $1,000, yeah. Oh, it's so it's so good that no so price is too good. high. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Well, it turns out isn't all cheesecake top tier? Uh, I don't know. I there are there's some bottom tier. There's some bottom <laughs> tier cheesecake. You know, you can get cheesecake in vending machines. Yes, places. stations and vending machines. Sure. Uh, well, you got one more for me. All we, right. We got about ninety seconds left. A Utah bill would reverse suspending driver's license for unpaid traffic fines. The bill sponsor Corey Malloy. Uh, argues the practice now impacts 30,000 Utahns. You know what? I'm into this. Uh, first off, I really like this Corey Malloy. Uh, first legislative session, I've really gotten to know him. He, as I am, a, a big supporter of the Second Amendment and firearms, uh, and he has some uh, bills that reflect that support. And this one, uh, if I'm honest, I haven't poured through the pages. of I haven't read the legislative language, but it makes sense to me. Uh, you hear so often about the cascading effect that these uh, sometimes menial fines can have on your life. Let's say this. You get yourself uh, a, a traffic ticket. You roll through a stop sign or something. Your license is suspended. Uh, you can't pay the fine. You can't make it to work. You can't pay your bills. You lose your home. Anyway, it goes on from there. Uh, I think that there ought to be some uh, measure of mercy and understanding that goes into these fines. Uh, there are stories across the country of the unfortunate cascading effect of sometimes insignificant fines uh, levied by municipalities. Is this the right answer? I mean, should traffic fines not uh, lead to the suspension of a license? I don't know. Traffic fines can uh, result from uh, some pretty egregious offenses. Uh, But anyway, I don't know. Uh, Thank you, uh, Producer Amy, for that. Uh, I'll tell you what, sometime over the course of the next week, let's work on a title for this segment. How about that? Goal. All righty. Well, that's it for this episode of Live Mike. I'm so uh, grateful to you for tuning in today as we've covered the coronavirus and the presidential primaries. Next up, that coverage continues.